Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Fenway Rundown. This is Matt Slav's Red Sox podcast, and I'm your host, Chris Cotillo. We're back with part three of our Welcoming the Woo Sox series, and we have a very special guest today, the hitting coach of the Worcester Red Sox and a Worcester native, Rich Gedman. Rich, uh, I know you're you're very busy in the middle of the season, so we really appreciate you taking the time to hop on. No problem. It's always nice talking baseball. Uh, so let's get right into it. You know, obviously, this has kind of been a project and, and something that um, I think at first people might have thought as a pipe dream, you know, the Paw Sox with their history down there and, uh, you know, so much had gone on at McCoy and there's so much, so many negotiations and everything to see Polar Park in the last couple of weeks, the first two series to see it in Worcester come to fruition, people be there, games being played in your hometown. Generally, what was that like for you? Well, it's, it's, it's really kind of special because who would ever thought that uh, something in Massachusetts would be quite so elegant and uh, spectacular upon itself. Um, I, when I was growing up, I don't mean to make fun of our city, mm-hmm. um, but we had a airport with no planes and a train station with no trains. <laughs> um, and so it's really come a long way that uh, somehow the city and the state and the, uh, the Wu Sox group have come together to put such uh, a special place uh, for baseball uh, in the heart of Massachusetts. And so how does Polar Park shape up to your expectations of it? I know you that were there for, you know, it served at the alternate site for the first month. And then, you know, now uh, I think 12 games there so far. I haven't been personally, but how does it shape up, even though, you know, it's not even a finished product yet? Well, um, it's certainly it's a state-of-the-art facility. Um, mm-hmm. The surface itself is it plays well. Um, the stadium appears to be playing small at the moment, um, but I, I think that's exciting to the fans. Uh, we've seen some home runs in our ballpark be just absolutely majestic, probably better than any other place I've ever seen. Uh, maybe because we're on the first base side, it's a little closer to that Worcester wall. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some balls that have already landed on Green Street. So um, it's just it's just pretty special. And I mean, there's, you know, when you look out there, you can see that it's not a finished product, but it's certainly uh, a place to behold and wonderful sight lines for fans and um, just a, a real feel for how, uh, how incredibly fast this game really is. I, I know that, you know, opening day was a little different and a little bit more limited than they probably had hoped, but still a very special day. What was it like, you know, having, uh, obviously, you know, Bob Cousy, I think, stole the show there, but, you know, James Taylor and Pedro and Jim Rice and all those guys in your hometown, I know that uh, that must have been pretty special for you as well. Well, um, Larry Lutino and Charles Steinberg and the, the, the Woosox group um, never failed to surprise me. Um, with opening days and special um, accolades to uh, different groups. Um, but certainly when they put on a show, they, they do it the right way. And uh, they're certainly wonderful memories. And being a guy from Worcester, um, even though the place was not full uh, because of COVID rules, um, it really was a special day. And certainly um, when a Pedro Martinez and a Jim Rice show up in your hometown, uh, Red Sox Hall of Famers and certainly Baseball Hall of Famers. Um, it, it's really a special day upon itself. Mm-hmm. And um, and then for what it does for the city and, and of Worcester, it, it just was absolutely incredible. 
Have you had to, uh, we talked to Christian Arroyo the other day and he said he didn't know how to pronounce it. Have you been having to teach, you know, some of the, some of the players and some of the uh, guys who have come through how to pronounce Western? Um, <laughs> it's funny how I, I really try not to pay too much attention to it because <laughs> Worcester gets butchered um, mm -hmm. in its name, but um, no, it's, they'll figure it out. They'll hear it enough <laughs> and hopefully for some of them, they're not here long enough to really remember how it's supposed to be pronounced. Mm -hmm. And I remember being a kid and going to tornadoes games and, and you know, that was such a, a cool environment and, and people in the area really like to go to those games. Um, back then, did you feel like there was a thirst in Central Mass for for more? You know, as, as cool as an independent league team can be, obviously doesn't compare to a Triple A team. And at that point, did you think it would be possible or or necessary for a, an affiliated team to eventually come in? Well, there was always talks of a possibility of putting a new stadium somewhere, mm -hmm. and it seemed like the talk was more out in the Fitchburg Lemons area. Um, so to have it be uh, put in Worcester um, is really kind of incredible. Um, it just doesn't seem like things, it doesn't seem like the thing that Massachusetts does. Mm -hmm. And so to find that spot in, in to have it be basically in the heart of Worcester is pretty incredible. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, like you said, looking back, you, you just, you don't know that that's going to happen, but when it does, it's like you, you start to wonder how come we haven't done something like this sooner. <laughs> right. Um, but hey, it's, I, I don't understand politics. I don't even begin to think I understand. Um, I, <laughs> I know this. I've been around baseball and I've opened up two new stadiums, one being at Holy Cross when they mm -hmm. made it stadium like for the tornadoes. And, um, and that was, that was something special at that time. Because um, right. who would ever thought that, you know, Holy Cross would allow you to do that and uh, certainly to partner up with the Tornadoes and um, what they've done with their, you know, even their college league team. Um, it's a wonderful take. People of Central Mass love their baseball. Mm -hmm. um, there's, you know, there's high school kids and college games that go on that are, are really very competitive. There's, there's a wonderful baseball heritage in Central Massachusetts. And... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's like baseball's part of it. And I, I think some of it is the love for the Red Sox. So it only seemed fitting that um, that the Red Sox would have their AAA team in Worcester. How much does it mean to you to be an ambassador? And do you feel like you've taken on uh, an even greater role in that regard? Well, I really don't like the attention very much. I'm a fairly quiet guy. <laughs> and so when I'm asked what I think, I usually sit on usually what I think doesn't really matter much. At least at home, it doesn't seem that way. Um <laughs> But it's kind of neat to talk about baseball and, and the history of baseball in our area. Um, and so I, I don't really mind talking about it. It's probably one of the few things that I really know much about. So um, baseball's been my life for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, I, I enjoy talking baseball. I enjoy talking about baseball. I enjoy watching, you know, things that are special happen in baseball. So. And I think this is something really special, not only for the Worcester Red Sox, but I think Worcester in general and certainly for our area, um, that Worcester is maybe finally on the map the way it should be. Mm -hmm. I had Larry Lucchino on a, a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about, you know, it's kind of a great time for, for a AAA team to come in, a Red Sox AAA team to come into a place because there is, I think, you know, more exciting talent at, at 
not just AAA, but all levels of the system than we've seen in maybe the last few years. And and he said that the the park, the state of the art facility, the focus on the miners kind of perfectly aligns with Heim Bloom's vision of the Red Sox and how important that development pipeline is. Uh, we'll get into some of the specific names in a second, but how exciting is is the talent on the roster? And and who are some of the guys that you would say to fans, come on down and see these guys? Because like you said, some of them might not be there long. Well, the weird part is, is like to put any name on anybody. It's like whoever you come to see uh, or who, who if whatever team you come to see, you know that you're seeing someone who's eventually going to be in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. I don't know that name that's going to be the next guy. I mean, I right. sit there and I see Jaron Duran and I go, he seems like a can't miss player. He's mm-hmm. exciting for so many different reasons. Um, he's just starting to come into his own offensively, I believe. Um, but I like the way he plays the game. I like the way he goes about his business. Um, you know, he's a converted infielder, moved to outfield. Uh, he has tremendous speed. He has power. He has all the things that you sit there and go, wow, this is a nice guy to follow because he can do so many special things. Um, and, I mean, he's already hit some tape measure homers at, right. at uh, Polar Park. There you go, oh, my God, um, how come we haven't heard about this type of power uh, sooner? But he, like I said, he's just coming into his own and um, he's just tapping into some of the things that he's capable of doing. Um, so, like I said, he can beat you in many ways. And uh, certainly he would be fun, a fun type of guy to come watch play. Um, obviously, the other is um, uh, Jeter Downs, who came over in the trade for Mookie Betts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he's a young player who is exciting. He's, he can run, he can he hit, he can hit for power, he's a good defender. Um, so those are the type of guys you look forward to seeing. But the neat part is, is they're going to play 140 games, whatever it may be. It might even be a little less this year, maybe 120s. And people are going to come to watch those guys play and think that every time that they play that they do something well. What I'm hoping that they see is even when they fail, they fail with grace and dignity and, and they play the game the right way because the sooner they learn how to do that, the easier this game is to play and it's more fun to watch them play when they handle that type of failure uh, the right way. With with Durant specifically, I know that you know people are, are starting to talk about uh, a call-up and, and you know the philosophy seems to be, you know, this is his first time at AAA, get him at bats, give him some experience down there. Are you surprised at the this kind of power surge that we've seen that really wasn't his his game earlier in his minor league career and it seems like in spring training and, and so far this season uh that's really become a, a big piece of it well I, I think one of the things um, to his credit is um, he stayed with his, the strength training protocols and um and so therefore he's developed his body and um, not only, like I said, is he fast, but he's gotten really strong. He's, uh, he's a lot bigger than what he looked two years ago. And uh, he's had a, not a swing overhaul, but some swing adjustments um, that allowed him or put him in a better position um, to hit the ball further. With downs, uh, I, I know we talked to Alex Verdugo about this a lot. You know, being part of that Mookie trade, kind of the expectations associated with that. And Verdugo always says, Hey, just a coincidence. I was traded for Mookie. I just happened to be the guy, but I'm not replacing him. I'm my own player. Is that a conversation you have to have with Jeter? Like, okay, you know, you are you know, the big prospect in, in a legendary all-time trade, but um, to try to keep the pressure off there. Well, I think, you know, you can mention it, but everybody's going to take it on their own way. I think Alex mm-hmm. Rodrigo's answer is a very good one. Uh, I'd like to think that uh, Jeter would just, 
go play. You know, he's he's yeah. a young player. Um, he's eventually going to be in the major leagues. Um, the, the hard part is when you put pressure on yourself that you need to be better than you are before you are. Um, this game takes time. And, you know, until you dominate the AAA level, which is a big jump for him from where he's coming from, um, you know, he's, he's, it's going to take him a while to develop into a major leaguer or be that player. So in some ways, all the pressure's on Verdugo, really, not really necessarily Downs and Wong. Mm-hmm. I did want to ask you about Wong as a former catcher. He seems like he's he's an interesting player where you know, when that trade first happened, you know, it was, you know, the headliners were, you know, Alex and Jeter, obviously, but the Red Sox seemed to really like Connor, and he's a guy who's shown kind of sneaky pop at times, too. What are overall impressions of him? Well, the one thing I see is he's very athletic. He's coming from an infield position to the catching mm-hmm. position, and the adjustments made because of the new style of catching um, it allows for somebody who might be a little slighter in build, not certainly strength or just he's he, he's not a guy that's, you know, typically the catcher type right. where he's not like six to, you know, 210 pounds. He's more like probably six feet, 180 pounds, but um, he's certainly very athletic. He's quick. He, he's got a good, strong arm. He can, he can hit for average. He can, you know, he has some pop. So, um, you know, it seems like we, we keep talking about pop these days and mm-hmm. everybody hitting homers. And I think the game still is about, you know, getting two out knocks and, you know, the power will come. I, I still think we have to develop hitters in the minor league system, not just home run guys who strike out a lot. It's mm-hmm. acceptable. And the last guy I wanted to ask you about, the guy that's, you know, been up and down and, and, and back now, but uh, a guy with a lot of major league time, a lot of major league success and, and Michael Chavis. When you have a player who, and as recently as two years ago, I mean, two years ago right now, he was the talk of the town with the Red Sox, hitting homers like every day in his first month. Uh, when a guy like that comes back down and is kind of, um, you know, asked to, you know, work his tail off to try to get back to that level and, and other guys have passed him by, what's your message as a coach to somebody like that? Well, I, the hardest part is dealing with disappointment. Um, but yeah. It's, there's no time ever to feel bad for yourself because you know how good it is when you get to the major league level. Um, it's not like he's failed. Um, yeah. There's still things he needs to develop. I think he was sent to the big leagues um, probably a little premature, and his how well he did so so early really made you think that, I mean, at a time you were probably thinking, geez, Michael Chavis is going to be the rookie of the year. Right, um, And it was absolutely incredible because it was at a time that the team really needed that offensive boost because a couple of their stars were really not doing the job. So in that mm-hmm. month period of time, he was the man. Yep. And with that, as a young player, you start to think that, gosh, if I do this for a whole season, the numbers are off the chart. Baseball is a very humbling game. I don't care how good you are or what level you play at. Uh, whether it be Little League all the way up to the Major League. It's a difficult game to handle. And so when that disappointment comes, it's like you have to grow with your disappointment knowing that, listen, I can do it at that level. But it's a level that you have to make adjustments to. If you cannot make those adjustments, then you're going to have your fail- failures be longer. Mm-hmm. So I think what happens, you got to – Michael Chavis is, is a talented player. He's asked to do a lot of different things that maybe he wasn't expecting to do in the past. And also, I think what our young players are finding out is that defense is as important at the next level, if not more, than your offense. Right. So it's the combination of the total package together. 
when I look at what, the way Michael Chavis' body has changed, even from the time he stepped in the major leagues to where he is now, he's a better athlete. He's yeah. actually a better player. It's just what are the needs at the big league level? So it's very difficult to talk like he has failed, right. you know, because he hasn't. He's he's actually probably he's over he's probably overperformed in some way, <laughs> shape, or form. The bad part is, is when you play as well as he did so early, the expectations become almost unrealistic to him. So it's like, hey, it's a grind. And he's learning that. And hopefully um, that the disappointment will only make him better in the long run. I know, you know, you've been around the minors for a while and coaching. Do you ever see, and not that this has happened with them, because, you know, obviously he seems to be, you know, working hard at every level. But do you ever see a guy who's had that major league success get sent down and, and, and kind of, you know, check out mentally? Or is it usually more of a motivator that they're down there? Well, I'm, I'm not saying people can't check out. Our job is to make sure that they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but, listen, I can't jump in their head. I can only talk about experiences that I've had or things that I've seen. Um, and so what you do is you try to just find them to get in a good place to, to help them if – our job is to make sure that if somebody gets hurt at the big league level, that next guy in line is ready to help. That's what we're trying to do here. So we try to help people deal with their disappointments, but we can't we can't do that work for them. We can only tell them about what it's like and what they need to do. Some of them accept it gracefully, others do not. And it's like it's part of the reason you get sent down sometimes is that that attitude has to be the right type of attitude. The maturity level has to be great because not every, I mean, there's a lot of people who get to the major leagues nowadays, but there's not a whole lot of people who stay and make it a wonderful career. So the opportunity is great. You, if you, if you want to blame somebody else, it's easy to do that. But usually the guys that stand up and they look themselves in the mirror and they just keep putting their best foot forward. They seem to find a way to where they're supposed to be. I, I, it's it's a hard business. It's a hard game, right. and you you and it's not easy. So it's it's like they really have to develop some thick skin and decide what they want the most, what what they enjoy doing. It's like this is a hard business, and it's a for a short period of time. So um, it's 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 not forgiving. I can tell you that. All right. Well, we'll us Duran Downs. Those are some of the offensive headliners, obviously. You know, a few pitchers who, who are going to be up with the Red Sox and some names people know. And, and the last question for you, I think, you know, when you guys return home, Polar will be, has the potential to be at full capacity. How excited are you for for that moment, having a packed house in there and, and seeing, you know, the stadium become a full or a completed project by the end of the season and also, uh, you know, just having Central Mass be able to not in a limited capacity anymore, embrace it and, and have it, it as packed as possible. Well, I, it was actually very loud having people in the stands. Actually, you don't realize how much you missed having fans in the stands. Mm-hmm. Um, to If that was 25% as loud as it was, I can't imagine how loud it could be with a full house. Mm-hmm. Um, and I look forward to the day that hopefully it'll be filled all the time. It's really a special place to go. Um, I'm sure they continue to improve everything that goes on there. But it, it really is a, a neat park, and I, I'm sure our players will really appreciate the support. And um, like I said, it, it, the people that come there first may, may not be baseball fans. They may be going just to see the new place. Mm-hmm. Um, but the real baseball fans who stick around and go there all the time will, 
we're really being for a treat, not only for the baseball, but just for what's going on there. It's, it's, it's really, it's really a neat place. Well, that's Rich Gedman, Worcester Red Sox hitting coach and even prouder Worcester native. Rich, thanks so much for taking the time. Chris, pleasure. Thank you.